keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why are you intent to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All these I have spoken while I while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not be, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you before, I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I do wonder if you have ever felt alone. Have you ever felt alone? I'm sure there has been some point in your life where you have felt alone. It might have been when you first moved uh, to Australia. It might have been when you started a new job, started at a new school, when you moved interstate, moved into a new suburb. Or you may feel alone when, when a loved one uh, departs or, or, or the death of a loved one. It's at these moments where we may feel that we do not know anyone, where things are new, we feel very much alone. And while 
The feeling of being alone can, can wax and wane, go up and down. There'll be times where we want to be alone, particularly those introverts among us, in times of great busyness. Having some downtime can be, can be craved. It can really help us recharge. But you see, that's not the aloneness I'm thinking of this morning. I'm thinking of the times when we are struck by loneliness, when we don't want to be alone and yet we can't see a way out. You see, it's at these times of loneliness that we feel terrible, awful, in fact, with a deep pain ripping through you as you feel abandoned without anyone in the world. And you see, that's where I reckon the disciples are feeling... You see, the disciples, they've spent the last three years with Jesus, and, and they've loved it. They've loved being in the thick of it uh, with Jesus. But all of a sudden, it seems to them, they've spoken about Jesus leaving them, and they don't like it. You see, the night before his death and betrayal on a cross, Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. And Jesus, he prepares his disciples for for his departure. And he, he tells them what to expect as he departs. But see, Jesus tells them to expect that he's leaving, but that it is necessary. Jesus must leave, because when he leaves, he will prepare the way for them. He also tells them that he will come back. He'll come back for them. But see, they don't seem to hear, the disciples don't seem to hear that Jesus says he'll come back. Instead, they are greatly troubled. Greatly troubled and afraid of the fact that he'll depart. In fact, did you see that in verse 19? There, there is feelings of being orphans. You see, the disciples feel they are being abandoned. Jesus has told them actually his departure, his leaving, is actually for his good, for their good, because he will go to prepare a way to God, for he is the one way to God the Father. And it is all part of God's plan. But you see, they do not understand And although he is leaving them, Jesus wants to reassure his disciples. Jesus loves them. And so we're going to see three things this morning. The first point is we'll see that Jesus shows his love to them by sending the Holy Spirit. The second thing we'll see is that Jesus shows his love for them through the work of the Spirit. And thirdly, in response to his love, we will see the genuine love of Jesus is seen in obedience. <clears throat> well, first up, Jesus shows his love by sending the Holy Spirit, by sending the Spirit. Have a look there uh, at a Bible at verse uh, 16. <clears throat> and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. <clears throat> Jesus shows his love to the disciples by sending the Spirit. And we'll notice here at this point that it is the Father. It is the Father who sends the Spirit. The Father gives the Spirit. And the Spirit, just like the Son, is obedient to the Father's will. He does what the Father wants. He does what the Father... He doesn't act on his own. He's not a rogue agent on his own agenda. He does what the Father wants. He's not like peas the poltergeist from Harry Potter, if you know, if you're into that kind of thing. 
who is just crazy up to mischief, chaos as much as he wants, that is not the Holy Spirit. He is sent from the Father and always does the Father's will. He is always obedient to him. But whilst he's sent by the Father, we'll also see down in verse 26 that he's also sent in the name of Jesus. And so the Spirit is sent by both the Father and the Son. We also see that the Spirit, he is another advocate. He is an advocate. We'll see that word there in verse 16 and 26. If you've got another translation in front of you, you might see the word helper or intercessor or counsellor. And the reason why the the, uh, translation seems to have really great difficulty in in knowing which words to kind of use is that there's no one word in the English that conveys what the word means in its original. And so each translation comes up with their best uh, uh, their best bet. But think of an advocate as a legal barrister, a, a legal counsel. Definitely not a therapist, not a counsellor in that sense, but an advocate, one who is there for us on our side to help you uh, in our times of need. But do notice there in verse 16 that the Spirit's another advocate. He is another one. Because Jesus was their first advocate. You see, Jesus was there with them and supported them and encouraged them. And so what Jesus was to them, now the Spirit will be to them. And so we see that in verse 17. But you know him, that is, the Spirit, for he lives, he dwells in you and will be in you. You see, the Spirit will be the same presence to Jesus as Jesus was to them. Not only will he be with them, but actually he will live and dwell with them. And you see, the Spirit, he's kind of like a substitute. You know, in sport, when uh, when a player comes off, they've kind of done their time. Uh, I'm thinking more like soccer and other sports where a player comes off and they don't go back onto the field. Uh, and another player replaces them. But that replacement isn't usually as good as the person coming off. If they were as good, well, they probably would have made the starting team. They would have made the starting, the starting lineup. So they're not, they're good enough. They're good enough to replace them, but they're, but they're not their equal. They're not their equal, but they are a good enough substitute. But see, with Jesus' departure, the Spirit takes the place of a substitute. But this substitute, he's a super sub. Because there is no loss of quality in his being sent. He comes and takes the place of Jesus. And everything that Jesus was to them, well, the Spirit will be to them too. And in fact, he will dwell with them. We actually see a little bit later in verse uh, 23, have a look there, uh, where Jesus says that my Father will love them, that is, those of faith, and we, that is the Father and the Son, will come to them and make our home with them. And so here's the incredible thing. Uh, here last week we saw in John chapter 14, uh, in verse 2, as the disciples were concerned about where Jesus was going, Jesus said that he was departing, he was leaving to prepare a room in his Father's house. He was going, he was going to depart, to prepare a place for them. And that same word in in verse 2 for room 
Well, that is the same word used here for the word home. And while he will prepare a place for them in the future, Jesus now brings that now to the present. So not only will they... So, and so uh, the Father and Son will come to them in the present. It, it won't be like the new creation when we see them face to face, but it'll be pre- his presence in us, coming to us through the Holy Spirit. And so if we have the Spirit, which we receive through faith in the Lord Jesus, we have the Father and the Son in us. They have made their home in us. Isn't that incredible? God dwells in us. We are his resting place. God dwells in us. Not the temple. Remember the curtain was torn in two. Us through faith, through the work of the Spirit who dwells in us, they have built us into a spiritual house. God dwells in us, his people. So I wonder, do you really believe that? that God dwells in us by his Spirit. And while we may debate about the role of the Spirit, what it is that the the Spirit does, or, or what gifts of the Spirit we may have, but see, one thing we can't argue about is this. The Spirit, he brings God to us and us to God. Isn't that incredible? And so we are actually in a more privileged position than the disciples were. We are more advantaged than the disciples who walked and talked with Jesus because we have the Spirit of God living within us. God is with us. God is in us. The first thing Jesus does is he shows them that he loves them by sending the Spirit after he departs. You see, he also shows his love for them through the work of the Spirit. Did you notice that in verse 17 that he is the Spirit of truth? He is the Spirit of truth. He is characterized by truth. He reveals the truth. And this makes sense in light of also what we saw last week in John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. As Jesus is the truth, as the one who reveals the truth of the Father, and as the Spirit reproduces the work of Jesus, well, the Spirit reproduces Jesus' truth. Uh, We also see in verse uh, 15, 26, we'll see this uh, in a couple of weeks, that the Spirit of truth testifies about Jesus. As Jesus is truth, well, the Spirit, he is of truth too. And he reveals the truth to the disciples. Have a look there at verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. We see the work of the Spirit here uh, in the disciples. He will teach them he will remind them of everything Jesus has said to them. But here's the thing. It's really important to note that verse 26 is actually referring to the disciples only. The the you there in that verse, it's not us. It is the disciples. Because it's the work of the Spirit 
He will remind them of the things that Jesus has taught and said and done as he was with them. Because do you remember, as, as we've kept on reading through John's Gospel, again and again we've seen, oh, they didn't get it, or they didn't understand. Oh, but afterwards they understood it, and afterwards they'd understand. We see it in verse uh, 29, uh, where he said, I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. And you see, that is the work of the Spirit. It is the work of the Spirit whose works in the disciples that they can remember. Ah, yes, Jesus said that. Jesus did that. He helps them. He reminds them of all that they need to know. And so while verse 26 is not a direct uh, relation to us, it does not directly relate to us, indirectly it does relate to us. And so how do we benefit from the work of the Spirit to the disciples? Well, you see, it's the the Spirit's work in them who inspired them to, to write the words that we have in front of us. You see, it's the Spirit worked in the disciples that they wrote the Word of God in front of us so we can see, so that we can know the truth, that we can know what Jesus said and did, that we can believe. You see, it's the work of the Spirit in the life of the disciples who wrote and gave it to us that we can know this truth. And you see, this is the work of the Spirit. You see, Jesus, he loved them and he loves us through the Spirit's inspired work that he would bring God's word to us. There is such an intimate connection between God's Holy Spirit and his word, the Bible. And so it is absolute craziness to kind of play one off the other, to kind of say, oh, no, I'm more of a Bible guy, and someone else might say, oh, no, I'm more of a spiritual person, I'm more of a Holy Spirit guy, as in, as if one is more important, uh, more special than the other. But as we've seen the, the work of the, of the Spirit here, we, we, we just can't do that because it's the work of the Spirit the spirit of truth who has brought God's word before us. And so we can't pit them against each other. Actually, they are on the same team. The disciples, they were troubled. They were afraid that Jesus was leaving. But Jesus shows that he loves them by sending his spirit. And he reveals, he reminds them of the truth who would be God in them. And because they know the truth, they would have God's peace, verse 27, and God's eternal peace through Christ. Despite his departure, Jesus truly does love them. I wonder, how do you express your love? Well, I thought about it this week. What's, how do you express your love? And so I wanted to Check, get a really good resource of how I could find out how to express love. And I thought a bit of K-pop, uh, a bit of Korean pop would be a great answer uh, for us this morning. So here's what I discovered uh, from K-pop this week. IU, uh, in a song blooming, she says this, sending texts without any spaces, I think this is love. I don't know why that is love, but that is what she thinks that, that love is. Later in the song she says, no, I'm not busy, nothing, nana. I'm not sleeping, insomnia, nana. 
I'm not with anyone right now. Yeah, I'm thinking of you right now as well. Love is the inability to sleep, she tells us, because you're just so busy pondering and thinking about them, your love for the other. Well, that's what the girls say. What about uh, a boy band? Let's find out what these guys say. BTS with Boy With Love. Do notice there is, uh, it is an L-U-V in their spelling. This is what they say. From the moment I met you, yeah, my life was all you, yeah. You're the star that turns ordinaries into extraordinaries. Oh, yeah. One after another, aye, everything is special, aye. The things you're interested in, the way you walk or talk, and every little trivial habit of yours. Love is being obsessed with the other. Everything they love, you love too. It is making something extraordinary that really is just ordinary. That is what K-pop tells us how to express your love. Well, as Jesus sends his love, uh, shows his love to the disciples by sending uh, the Holy Spirit, we too are to respond in love. We are to love him and we are to express that love in obedience. We express our love in obedience. I wonder if you noticed as the passage was uh, read for us or as you, as you prepared this week by reading the passage, if, if you notice the link between loving Jesus and keeping, obeying Jesus' commands and teaching and word in this passage. Did you notice that? Three times. Three times. Loving Jesus and obeying him come together. So it's important to remember as we read the scriptures uh, for ourselves to kind of notice these kinds of things, to, to kind of pick up on this kind of repeated kind of pattern that kind of, kind of happens. And, and as we kind of notice that thing, it's important to ask, why is that there? Because as we can work out those kind of things, it can help us understand what is important and the, and the main kind of ideas of the passages we read. Anyway. I'll move on from my Bible reading tips uh, for this morning. But uh, let's have a look at uh, one of those uh, examples uh, from verse uh, 23. Have a look. Have a look there. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make a home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. You see, Jesus makes it abundantly clear, doesn't he? It is the one who loves Jesus, they will obey Jesus. We can't love Jesus without obeying him. And we can't obey him without loving him. You see, they can't be separated. We might, like, like people might want to separate the, the spirit from the word together, just like this, you can't separate loving God and obedience. But it's really, really important to note, really important, that this obedience isn't what saves you. It is not salvation by works. We aren't saved because we have obeyed Jesus, like somehow we have earned God's favour by being obedient. That is not possible. Absolutely not. Do not hear me say that. Salvation has nothing to do with our obedience. We are saved only because of Jesus, because of his glorifying death on the cross.
because he is, remember, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to God the Father. Salvation is given to us only through Christ. But you see, our love for Jesus, in response to him, well, that is seen in obedience. In light of his saving work in our lives, in light of salvation, in light of the promises we have of what's to come in the future, we love Jesus. And as we love Jesus, well, we obey his word. But here lies the question for us. If we express our love of Jesus in obedience to him, and we have the Spirit of God living within us, why is it that we still struggle to sin? Why do we still sin? And the truth is that at that moment, at the moment we sin, we love sin more than we do Jesus. At that moment we love sin more than we do Jesus. And while the scriptures make it abundantly clear that we will struggle with sin until Jesus returns, there is no perfect perfection until he returns, we've got to be keeping on working on obeying Jesus and his word, of loving Jesus more than the sin. And so how do we combat that? Well, you see, we've got to keep coming back to God's word. We've got to keep on coming back to it and reading it, reading it regularly. And while coming to church on Sunday is a really good and wonderful thing to do, keep, keep on doing that. We can't just rely on Sunday. Joining a, a midweek uh, discipleship team, a Bible study, or a, a university Christian group that can help us, uh, where the scriptures are open regularly and it is read, that can be good too. But we also need to be doing it on our own, regularly reading God's word, reading it, marking it, learning it, inwardly digesting it. Last week in uh, a discipleship team that I'm uh, a part of, uh, we saw how Paul, the Apostle Paul, thanks God for these couple of churches. Uh, and he thanks God for these people because they, they have faith in the Lord Jesus, they have love for one another, and they have a great hope, a great hope of what is to come. Paul is thankful for their faith, their trust. But you see, he doesn't want it to stay there for them. He wants more for them. He wants them to grow, not to become stagnant, but to grow, that they would grow in the knowledge of God's will so that they would live a life fully pleasing to him. And that the loving, and I think that's the loving obedience we see here as we, as we grow in knowledge and love of God's word, we will please God in how we live, that we will love Jesus and obey his word. And so when we're tempted to sin, We've got to return to God's word. We need to remind ourselves of the truth rather than the lies and deceptions that we've been conned into believing is true. We need to come back to the truth, to the, spirit, to, to, to the word of truth revealed by the spirit of truth. We need to be growing, filling up in our knowledge of the truth, arming ourselves with the truth because it's as we know the truth We will live the truth. As we love Jesus, we will obey Jesus. And so when we're driven to find a partner who isn't Christian, we've got to come back to God's word and see what he says about this. If we're struggling in our workplaces, our identity, 
we've got to keep on coming back to God's word and remembering that who we are is found in Christ, our identities in Christ. When we're struggling with the uncertainties and difficulties of life, we've got to remember that God, in God's word, he tells us he's sovereign in control of all things, even through the difficulties that we find ourselves in. And while we may be tempted to sin, we're going to be driven back to the word, the word of truth, that we may be driven to repentance and obedience in him. Because as Jesus says, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And while we express our love in obedience, we do it because of the great model that Jesus was before us. Who in verse 31, have a look there, he said that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Jesus has been sent by the Father with a mission. And this is no easy mission. He is heading to the glorious cross. Yes, it is glorious, but it is humiliating, horrifying, shameful, gruelling. And yet he does that for our good, that we would know the way to the Father, that we would find salvation, that we would know forgiveness and the peace of Christ. You see, despite it being very difficult, despite it ending in in his death, he humbled himself by being becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, we love Jesus. We obey his word because he's the great model who has gone before us, who shows us how to love and obey. See, the disciples were concerned, they were troubled that Jesus was leaving them as as orphans without anyone in the world. But Jesus says, actually, I'm leaving for your good and I'm leaving another advocate. I will not leave you alone. I will send the Spirit to dwell with my people who will remind them of the truth. What a great comfort that is. And so while we may feel alone at times, we must understand that we are never alone. Jesus has sent his spirit to dwell within us. God dwells within us and helps us to love and obey the Lord Jesus. And so let's ask, let's ask God for his help, that we would not grieve the Holy Spirit, but would live in obedience to his word, to his glory, shown in our love for him. Let's, let's pray together. Father God Almighty, we give you great thanks for our Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for the way that he left, left the earth, left the disciples through the cross, the glorifying, grueling cross that he could save and rescue and redeem us. And as he rose uh, to life to give us hope of life too, in his departure, As he's returned to to the Father in heaven, he sent us the Spirit. And so we give you great thanks for the Spirit. We thank you for the way that he intercedes along us to remind us of your word. And we do pray that you would help us 
love your word and that we would be driven to obey it in a response to the way that you have shown love to us. Help us, Father, love Christ and obey his word. Help us in this great challenge. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.